we arrive out of many singular rooms, mused the late Unitarian Universalist minister Kenneth Patton. We arrive out of many singular rooms walking over the branching streets. We come to be assured that others surround us to restore their images on our eyes. We enlarge our voices in common speaking and singing. We try again that solitude found in the midst of those who with us seek their hidden reckonings. Our eyes reclaim the remembered faces. Their voices stir surrounding air. The warmth of their hands assures us and the gladness of our spoken names. This is the reason of cities, of homes, of assemblies in the houses of worship. It is good to be with one another. We arrive out of many singular rooms. From those rooms we come to this meeting house. In meeting we converse, and in conversation we are converted. We cannot listen without learning. We cannot observe without changing our point of view. We cannot understand without insight, and that flash of insight lights up the world. One and many. E pluribus unum, out of many, one, is emblazoned on the seal of the United States of America. Some distort this noble principle to demand the dissolution of difference, the abandonment of tradition and language and culture in a great melting pot of uniformity that just happens to look remarkably white and northern European. At First Parish in Cambridge, we acknowledge and we celebrate that we are not only e pluribus unum, but also ex uno plures, out of one, many, one and many. As Unitarian Universalists, we don't have to choose. How could we? Our Unitarian ancestors rejected the Trinity. How, they asked, could God be other than one vast, illimitable unity? Our Universalist ancestors rejected the dogma that only the elect go to heaven. How, they asked, could a loving God pick winners and losers among God's own precious creatures, condemning Billions of souls to eternal torment. All souls. All souls are miracles. Every soul is cherished. One and many. In the Briyadar and Yaka Upanishad, the most ancient of the Hindu Upanishads, composed over 2,000 years ago, a student inquires of a sage, how many gods are there? Yajnavalkya. Yajnavalkya replies, as many as are mentioned in the hymn to all the gods, namely 3,306. 
Yes, says the student, but just how many gods are there, Yajnavalkya? 33, answers the sage. The student persists. Yes, but how many gods are there? Yajnavalkya. Six. The conversation continues, the number of gods dwindling to three, then two, then one and a half. Until finally, yes, but just how many gods are there, Yajnavalkya? One. Commenting on this story, Professor Diana Eck explains, Hindu polytheistic consciousness has little to do with how many gods a person recognizes. It has rather to do with that person's ability to take multiple perspectives. Here at First Parish, we are cultivating the gift of taking multiple perspectives. One and many. Blithe talk of colorblindness of a post-racial society is both naive and disrespectful. We are created not only equal, but also of infinite variety. Culture binds some of us together while dividing us from others. We got to deal with it. Explore it. Embrace it. Struggle with it. Fight to end the bigotries and the oppressions that make difference invidious. And in the very same moment, let us look deeply into each other's eyes and glimpse there the human soul, innocent, vulnerable, yearning for connection, yearning for love, just like our own. One and many. In our pews this morning sit Christians, Jews, Buddhists, pagans, theists, atheists, agnostics, Seekers of every sort, all, all Unitarian Universalists, presently or potentially, one and many. I am white, Anglo-Saxon, Celtic, U.S.-born, male, heterosexual, cisgender, middle-class, late-middle-aged, able-bodied, except for some hearing loss. I am so much more and so much less than my labels. However useful and instructive, those labels may be. In the unity of this community, this congregation, this religious movement, may each of us find the support and the strength to claim fully 
our various and multiple and intersecting identities, that they may lead us and lift us and liberate us to our highest potential, one and many. And if any one of us is threatened, harassed, or mistreated, the many will rally to their side, one and many. In 1985, a 29-year-old New Yorker named Julie Gold was working as a secretary for home box office and writing songs in her free time. She began sending around a song she'd written called From a Distance, but no one was interested until Julie's friend Christine Lavin brought it to folk singer Nancy Griffith, who recorded it on her 1987 album, Lone Star State of Mind. Four years later, in 1991, Bette Midler's recording of From a Distance hit number one on the Billboard Top 100. And it won the Grammy for Song of the Year. Strangely, or maybe not so strangely, this song of universal peace was especially popular among soldiers deployed in the first Gulf War even as American and Iraqi troops were trying to kill each other. From a Distance was one of the most frequently requested songs on Armed Forces Radio in Saudi Arabia. From a distance, the world looks blue and green, and the snow-capped mountains white. From a distance, the ocean meets the stream and the eagle takes to flight. From a distance, we all have enough. No one is in need. And there are no guns, no bombs, and no disease, no hungry mouths to feed. From a distance, you look like my friend. even though we are at war. From a distance, I just cannot comprehend what all this fighting's for. From a distance, there is harmony. And it echoes through the land. God is watching distance. Each of us, all of us, one and many. Amen. Ashe. Blessed be.